Ed is going to be speaking to us this morning, um, so I'll pray for you first and then hand over. Um, Lord, thank you so much for Ed. Thank you for um, the way that you've been at work in his life. Thank you for the way that we, we see that, and um, yeah, thank you for all that he has to share with us this morning, um, how you'll be using him to speak to us, Lord. Would you open our hearts um, to hear what you have to say um, and help us to, um, yeah, to grow, to know, and love you more, Lord Jesus. Amen. Oh man, thanks so much. Morning, everyone. Well, that was a little bit glum. <laughs> Lovely to see you. Um, we have been taking uh, a deep dive into uh, Jesus' teaching in the early chapters of Matthew's Gospel. And, and this week, we're going to be looking a bit at some of Jesus' teaching around money. Money. Now, most of us here are British. Um, and that means that we don't particularly like talking about money that much. And in fact, to be honest, we don't end up talking about money that much in church. But that's a shame because here's the thing. The Bible is not silent on money. In fact, far from it. You know, there are more verses in the New Testament that talk about money than talk about prayer or faith. Did you know that? Jesus spoke loads and loads about money and our, our interaction with money uh, in our lives. In fact, almost half of the parables, half the stories that Jesus told in the Gospels have something to do with money. And that's because Jesus recognised that money is a really, really big deal to us. You know, it's, and actually what we know is it's something that dominates our society. There was a recent study about relationship breakdown that found that, that money played a significant part in almost two-thirds of breakups. That, that also, it's found that, that a survey of, of 2,000 married couples found that, that a quarter of them had had a fight about money in the previous fortnight. Hands up. Hands up. No. Um, <laughs> You know, debt is on the increase in the UK. You know, the average UK adult last month owed almost £4,000 in consumer credit um, debt. Um, so it sounds a bit like money has a lot to answer for. And so one of the most frequently, I think, misquoted verses from the Bible is this verse from 1 Timothy 6. For money is a root of all kinds of evil. But of course, what we know is the problem isn't money. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The problem is our attitude to it. Uh, it's our love of money. It's our, it's our preoccupation with money. And how we handle money is not principally a practical issue, although it's a really practical issue. In fact, the Bible gives lots of practical advice about how to handle money. But actually, the problem is not the practicalities. It's our heart Attitudes. It's our attitudes. It's, it's what we, we think about money. And so that's why Jesus talked absolutely loads about it. And if you're taking part in the service here, maybe you're, you're here today, maybe you're watching online, and maybe, actually, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. You know, we're, we're absolutely delighted that you're, you're part of the service today. You know, we fully expect each and every Sunday there to be people here that, that, that call themselves followers of Jesus and people who don't. That, that's the way we want it to be. So you're very, very welcome here. Maybe you've been kind of dragged along by a, a family member. Maybe it's all about the coffee. You know, maybe, maybe actually you're curious about, about faith and you're, you're curious about sort of trying to figure some stuff out. You know, I hope this morning you find uh, what Jesus says about money really interesting because I think it is really interesting. You know, the Bible gives some great insights about money that I think are really helpful whether you follow Jesus or whether you don't. But if you are a Christian here today, here's the thing. 
There, there is a relationship between our attitude to money and our ability to follow Jesus. And so if we're serious about following Jesus, then following what he says about money is absolutely imperative. So let's dig in. We're in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 19 to 24, um, and, uh, and Jesus says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Really, really strong words, um, aren't they? You know, the, the word Jesus uses here for money, it translates this Aramaic word, um, mammon. Um, and it, this is this kind of general term for, for material possessions. Um, and so, in other words, what Jesus is talking about is, is not just money, but, but the stuff that money buys. And, and Jesus says this, he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You know, what's, what's Jesus saying? You know, as always, we need to read the words of Jesus in, in the kind of the, the breadth of Scripture, bearing in mind what the kind of all of Scripture says. And so, so let's not misunderstand what he says. So what, what's Jesus not saying? Jesus is not saying it's wrong to make money. You know, work is a great thing, as we've heard already this morning. Being productive and being fruitful is part of God's plan for humankind. You know, we, we read of the parable of the talents using God-given ideas and skills to generate wealth for the glory of God. That's, that's something that's commended. That's something that God loves to see, what we're designed to, to do. Jesus is not saying it's wrong to save You know, the New Testament encourages us to provide for the future, to to plan, to to provide for the needs of others, especially those in our immediate families. And it's not wrong to enjoy the good things of life. You know, Paul in 1 Timothy 6, he talks of God richly providing us with everything for our enjoyment. God's provision is not just linked with our needs, but is also linked with our enjoyment. Enjoyment is part of what God wants for our lives. So, so what, is, what is Jesus saying? You know, and as Jesus does so often, what he's doing is he's speaking to our attitudes. He's speaking to our hearts. Are we pinning our entire well-being and satisfaction on a standard of living, on a, on a buffer in our bank account, rather than depending on God? You know, Jesus reminds his listeners about the futility of that logic. You know, money and stuff, it can be gone in a moment. You know, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's temporary. It doesn't stay with us into eternity. And, and whilst we do enjoy the things that money buys, I enjoy the things money buys, you know, we know deep down that money's not the key to happiness, is it? It's not the key to contentment. You know, I reckon we can all put our hands up and give examples of people who are absolutely loaded, but they're miserable, can't we? Money is not the secret. To happiness. Jesus says, 
in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he goes on to put it in even stronger terms. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, Jesus recognized that that money and stuff tends to be the main things that competes with God. One of the main things that competes with God for that kind of the number one place in our hearts and our affections. You know, when I was younger, one of my favorite things to do was to get a new Argos catalogue. Yeah? Who remembers Argos catalogues? In fact, in our house, we even had a Littlewoods catalogue as well. And actually, I'd like nothing better than to kind of go through, just pour through all the pages of toys and electronics and sports stuff and, and kind of dream and fantasise all about these amazing things I could have. And then one day, I even managed to get the object of my affection. A Casio databank calculator watch. You know, you thought smart watches were a recent thing. You know, this was like, you know, you could, you, I could do my calculations in a swimming pool at resist, water resistance up to 50 metres. Um, it's just, just amazing. I didn't want to be an accountant when I was younger, but I can kind of see the signs the more I kind of look back. Um, and then I moved on to uh, a Sony Walkman. And here it is. Look at this. Mega bass. And listen, you don't take this for granted. There is a rewind button. Do you remember the, the joy of a rewind button? And then we move on. My early 20s, my preoccupation was with a phone, a mobile phone. And so, just a little close-up for you there. Now, just wait for it. Look, amazing. There are some very young, puzzled faces in the room. You know, when, when Jesus talks of being devoted to money, which is a bit of a funny thing to say, devoted to money, it's, it's like he's saying, we've got an attachment to it. You know, it's the focus of our time and our attention. It's the kind of the pouring through the catalogues. It's, it's our thoughts and our desires and our energy that goes um, into money and stuff. For you, it may be a Casio data bank calculator watch. People, you can still buy them. You can still buy them. There's a little tip for you there. Um, actually, it might be for you a, a constant dreaming about a holiday that you could go on. In fact, we're pretty much all dreaming about holidays when you go on. Um, it might be for you that, that the next plans for your garden. You know, the, the I want desire is really strong, isn't it? And what Jesus is saying is that, that the problem with money so often and the problem with possessions is that we think we own them. But really, actually, they start owning us. That actually, if we aren't careful, instead of, instead of money being our servant, it becomes our master. Our, our desire for stuff just has the power to enslave us. The, the desire sometimes gets so strong, it leads us to buy things that we just cannot afford. And, and we end up in unnecessary debt. And that leads to all kind of stress and difficulty and, and hassle. It's a real mess. And so, when it comes to money, what's the way of Jesus? What's the way of Jesus? What does it mean to serve God instead of serving money. And um, in, our, in our passage, uh, Jesus is talking about, about treasure. 
He's talking about money. And then there's this kind of seemingly kind of random bit in the middle where he starts talking about eyes. And you're like, what on earth are you talking about? What's eyes got to do with that? I thought you were talking about money. And Jesus is he's using an analogy here to, to help explain what he's talking about, to help explain his teaching. He, he's sort of saying, you know, just as healthy eyes means that we're able to, to take in light and, and vibrant color into our bodies. And, and unhealthy eyes or bad eyes, it's like, like we're blind and there's darkness inside. Jesus is saying that, it matters a huge deal what we set our spiritual sights on. You know, healthy eyes means that we set our sights on God and in his kingdom and his priorities. Unhealthy eyes means that we've got our sights on, on greed and, and selfish accumulation. We've got our eyes on, on our priorities and not God's priorities. In fact, I was just looking at my, my Bible, the footnotes of the Bible. It, it, sort of, it just says this. It says that um, for the word healthy, it says the Greek for healthy here implies generous. And the, the Greek for unhealthy implies stingy. What a great word. I love that word, stingy. You know, we can, we can set our single-minded focus, our sights on generosity... Or we can set our sights on stinginess and greed. N.T. Wright says uh, this. Generous giving celebrates the fact that Jesus is Lord and money isn't. Generous giving celebrates the fact that Jesus is Lord and money isn't. You know, what better way to say to God, I've got my eyes fixed on you. It's, it's not money I serve, it's you I serve God. What better way to do that than to give money away? Because you know that there's something that happens in our hearts when we give. Money becomes detached from us, not just literally. Not just literally when we give money away, it becomes detached from us. But actually there's something that happens in our hearts and our affections as well when we give. So here's a question for you. Are you generous? Are you generous? And when I let you reflect on how kind of quietly offended you are by that question, um, let, let's just get a few things straight about generosity. Here are some generosity myths. Myth number one, it's the amount that counts. We often think of generosity as an amount. Wow, that, that person sponsored me 100 pounds. That was really, really generous. But, but how do I know it's generous? You know, only the person who gave it knows whether that was generous or not. You know, I don't know how much money they have. I don't know what their commitments are. I don't know what their financial position is. It's not the amount that counts when it comes to generosity. Myth number two, only rich people are generous. Only rich people are generous. We might think, and you might have thought this, when I become rich, then I'll be generous. But listen, there is no natural link between being rich and being generous. If you're not generous when you have a little, I think it's very highly likely that you won't be generous when you have a lot. And so don't miss this. Everyone can be generous. Everyone can be generous. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much you earn. And Jesus made that really obvious when he pointed out the widow's offering. He saw... This widow, widow put two small copper coins in the, in the offering and he, he, he was sort of just he commended the, the widow for being generous compared to the, the gifts, the lavish gifts that were put in by the rich. Myth number three, 
Generosity is natural and spontaneous. Anyone with young kids knows that people are not born generous. <laughs> Generosity is not natural with kids, is it? We have to teach people to share. And in the same way, people don't just kind of drift towards giving. And so Jesus didn't say, let your treasure follow your heart. Generous people have made a decision to give. They've made a decision to be generous. They've made a decision about where their treasure will be, and they have planned to be generous. You know, Paul, in 2 Corinthians, he uh, says this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. And you know what? The Bible as well, it's, it's wonderful because it gets actually really, really practical about how to give. It's really fantastic. Um, and so Paul, in, in 1 Corinthians, he just gives kind of this advice. He says, now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So how do we, how do we plan to be generous? It says the first day. In other words, before anything else, make it your first priority. Don't, don't wait and see what's left over. You know, when you're thinking about your finances, decide in advance how much you want to give and only then decide how much you want to spend or save. You know, for, for Deborah and I, you know, that, that means our giving kind of is kind of the first thing that goes out after the paycheck comes in. Um, it just goes out immediately. It's kind of the first thing. It's the priority, the first part of our income. It says every week. Now, you might not receive your income every week. You might receive your income every month. I do. Um, the point here is regularly. You know, plan to give regularly. And then it says in keeping with your income. You know, decide ahead of time what percentage you want to give or what amount you want to give. Actually, I think a percentage is much better because deciding on a percentage of your income means that your giving will be keeping in keeping with your income. It means when your income goes up, your giving goes up. When your income goes down, your giving goes down. And you know, I'm not going to tell people here what percentage of their income they should give. You know, many people talk in terms of a, a tithe, which is giving 10% of your income. Actually, I think that's a really helpful guideline. But, but actually, start smaller. Start where you, where you can. Um, but everyone can be generous. And just in um, our last few minutes, Jesus says in verse 20 of our passage, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I think what Jesus is saying here is invest in heaven. Invest in my kingdom. Invest in something that has eternal significance. And what does that mean in practice? I think what that means in practice is we invest more in people than we do in stuff. I think that it, it means that we invest more in others than we invest in ourselves. I think it means using our money to support kingdom building work. And at Highgrove, we, we have a vision to help people find Jesus, to, to love one another, to follow Jesus and to serve the world. It's, it's why we're involved right now in running Alpha Courses, helping people to ask the big questions in life, to, to find Jesus, to discover the purpose and the, the freedom and the life that he offers. It's why we, we put such a high priority on pointing our children and our young people to Jesus, making sure that they, they know that there's a God who loves them and there's a church family to 
care for them and to nurture them. It's why we run this building here in Seamill, so that we can, we can gather people together to be inspired and equipped to follow Jesus, where we can inspire people to go out and serve the world in their homes, in their workplaces, in their schools or their universities. It's why we, we invest in reaching the many students coming from all over the world uh, as we share the gospel with them. But that's something that we don't say often enough here is that all those things and more can only happen because of you investing financially in this church family through your through your generous giving and you know those things happen because there are people here who've they've set their spiritual sights on generosity as they make following Jesus their priority and thank you so much to you if that's you you know these lights are on because of your giving uh, our children's groups are, are able to be planned with, with excellence and take place in, in safe and welcoming and mainly warm environments uh, because of your giving. We're able to have a, a small staff team uh, involved here helping to release everyone into mission and ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit because of your giving. And so if you just allow me to just get a little bit practical for a minute, is that all right? And just, you know, how does money work at Highgrove and, and how can you be part of that? So at Highgrove, we're, we're part of the Woodlands Church family, uh, which is run by a charity called Woodlands Group of Churches. And when you give to that charity, your giving kind of get, it gets picked up and identified as coming from here at Highgrove. And and so as a leadership team, we're given by that charity an annual budget, which equals the amount that, that people from Highgrove give. And so what that means is that your decision to give or not directly impacts what we're able to do here as church. It directly impacts how we're able to impact our local community. It directly impacts our discipleship and our reaching of children and young people. And it might not always feel that obvious about how to go about giving. Of course, you know, one of the most visible ways that giving happens is our, our monthly offerings here on a Sunday. We, we, we take those ring-fenced for our global and local mission fund to support our partners at home and overseas. You know, it might be that actually that's the main way you give because it's just the kind of most obvious one. It's the one that's right ahead of you. But, you know, that is just part of the picture. You know, our hope is that everyone at Highgrove gets involved in, they, they participate in giving to the general funds of church to, to, to help us do what we do. Um, and so one of the ways you can do that is to go to our website. You can give a one-off or you, a gift, or you can set up an automatic regular gift every month by visiting highgrove.church forward slash give now. There's a fancy new QR code by the white box over there. You can scan on your phone. If you know what a QR code is, the likelihood is you know how to use it. So it's just over there. Um, but you can also put kind of gifts in that white box and there's, there's very attractive brown envelopes you can use if you want to make a gift aid donation uh, so we can reclaim gift aid. You know, please don't hesitate to ask if you need help with practicalities around giving. We know sometimes it's not all that obvious what to do. And so please don't hesitate to ask. Actually, there's an, an email just coming around this afternoon just helping you with some of that and pointing some of this information out. But as I, as I land, you know, I think that Jesus' money, uh, words around money, I, I think actually his words here are really, really challenging. I think they're really strong. I think they're really, really hard to live out our, in our lives. However... I think they're also really, really exciting. I think they're really exciting because if we use our resources to invest in the lives of others, if we use our resources to advance the gospel, there is a legacy from those choices 
that can resonate throughout the whole of eternity. We can make a difference to eternity. So this morning, wherever you're at, where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? You know, someday it won't matter how much stuff we have accumulated for ourselves. The old will pass away and the new will come. What will ultimately matter is how we invested our resources in the things that Jesus really cares about. And to be honest, that we, I think, deep down really care about too because we've chosen to make a priority of following the way of Jesus. And so let's pray. I invite you to stand, invite the band to come up, and we're going to pray and ask God to help us. And so, Lord, we, we say thank you so much for your generosity to us. Our God's generous. He gives to all of us. Holding nothing back, he pours out his love. And so, Lord, we recognize when we think about generosity, uh, Lord, we recognize that it all comes from you in the first place anyway, that you have poured out so much into our lives, whether that's kind of material stuff and money and the, the kind of the position we are in, in life, the country that we're based in, the, the, the way in which we have so much opportunity uh, where we are. Thank you, but thank you. It's so much more than that. Your generosity to us in love and forgiveness, acceptance and care and freedom and purpose and a future. And we say thank you, Lord, so much. Help us to respond to you today. Help us to deal with this question of lordship, of who takes that number one place in our hearts. We know these things are not easy. We know that there are people that struggle in the whole area of money. And even just talking about it is a little bit painful. And so, Lord, we say, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you help? Would you be at work among us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.